0: Hello, bonsoir and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Jeremy Smith, Kevin Jeffries and Matthew Gooding. So, spring's the darling buds of May, but for some, the barren summer could not come soon enough. But who is blooming as the season comes to a close and who is wiltering at the thought of a neglectful off season? Uh, Let's go on and talk more football after the latest headlines. Marseille all but ended any remaining hope they could sneak into the Champions League hunt as they drew 1-1 with Strasbourg. Germain put the away side in front only to see Kenny Lala earn the Alsace side a point on Saturday, Paris Saint-Germain still look like they are dreaming of the Sun lounges as they drew 1-1 with Nice. An Eymar penalty cancels Ignatius Ganago's uh, opener as Tuchel's men slide towards an increasingly important summer with Edison Cavani missing a penalty in the final few minutes. Elsewhere on Saturday, the big six pointer between Gangamp and Con ended goalless, leaving the hosts still five points adrift of their opponents and their plight becoming ever more bleak by the week. Angers notched a 1 nil away win of the topsy turvy Bordeaux thanks to Stefan Bahokin's 11th of the season, while Nîmes leapfrogged Ras into 8th after a strong 3 0 victory that means they have won four of their last six. On Sunday, Dijon failed to bounce back from last week's defeat at Caen as they were slain 3-0 by the rampant Nantes, who have won their last five games in a row, while Rennes slipped further down the league uh, pecking order as their 2-2 draw with Toulouse sees them into 13th. Montpellier are falling behind in the Europa League pursuit after a one all draw with Amiens that pushes them closer to safety, while Monaco are nervously looking behind them as their 3-2 loss to Saint-Etienne keeps them only three points above the relegation playoff pace as Lever are now only a point away from their rivals Lyon. As for Legon, they had to come from behind in the final game of the weekend to draw 2-2 with Lille. Former Lille man Martin Terrier gave the host the lead before two defensive mistakes allowed Loric Remy and Bubukari Samare to take advantage before Leo Dubois leveled things 15 minutes before the end. And that's all for now. But to keep up to date with all the news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. Also, do remember to check out our GFFN awards that you can now vote for both on our Twitter feed and our website. 50% of your votes will be taken in to the count to who will take the gongs at the end of the season. We start this week with the big game on Sunday night as Lille and Lyon fought to a 2-2 draw that practically sees Le in with one foot into next season's Champions League. It's been a pretty great season overall. Kevin and we'll come on to that in a moment but as for last night's game it was sort of encapsulated both of their seasons really Leon sort of playing to a point where they're paying up to their opponents but two defensive mistakes uh, allowed Leo back into it but it, it sort of surmised that Leo all season really have been able to to come back from adversity and show just how good they've been. Yes exactly
1: just like it was a fair result to be honest but um, you know, the, the real question before the game was uh, how Lille can cope with, the, with Lyon without Thiago Mendes and Sheka. Because you've got uh, Boubacarie Soumare and uh, Thiago Maia who hasn't been really played a lot this season. And yeah, we we, we did pretty well, to be honest. Um, Lyon, Lyon were pretty good. Um, they were a bit lucky with Martin Atarié's goal. And Lille reacted pretty well, like they've been doing so all season. So yeah, it sums up pretty well the... Little season.
0: And, Kevin, it's, it's been a, a tremendous season, really. We expected Lille after last season, they really struggled, and the, there's been the issues with the DNCG of, of needing to sell off players, including uh, Fotobalo Torre back in the January, and we thought that that may, may help hinder them, but if anything, it's it's pushed them on to further glory, and it, admittedly, a few of these players will go in the summer, and will a lot of them will attract an incredible amount of interest, but it's been sort of a lightning under a bottle, and it's unfortunate that in a season where PSG have really dominated for three quarters of a season, that um, this Lille team will be sort of broken up in the summer because they've been really excellent under the stewardship of Galtier, who's, who's sort of transformed himself as well in terms of style, um, previously what we've seen in Saint-Étienne as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy how football can be pre- unpredictable. You know, last season at this time, we were struggling to to avoid relegation. Now we're practically in the Champions League. It's crazy. We got 60, 69 points after f- 35 league games. It's the um, highest study for, for Lille at this stage. It's exactly the same as uh, when we were champion in 2010-2011. So it shows how good the season was. But obviously PSG was a much better team. You know how they start the season. We win like the first 14 games just on another level. But yeah, now the, the big issue would be how, um, how Lille will sell and buy uh, this summer. You know, that Nicolas Pepe will be leaving, Thiago Mendes as well, Sumaro probably. Uh, We've got Bobakari Sumare who would probably take uh, Thiago Mendes' place. But, you know, it would be hard to replace someone like Nicolas Pepe. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, it's all, it's almost like an impossible replacement, isn't it? But uh, I do want to sort of talk about maybe some of the more unsung heroes at, at Leal this season, because a lot of focus has been on on Pepe, and I suppose that those attacking players like Bomber <laughs> and uh, Kone and, and 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 Leal as well. Uh, talk about someone like M- Mendes has been key. I mean, they mentioned a number of times on commentary that uh, it, it, he, they've sort of. And uh, uh, not one without him in the lineup, and it carried on unfortunately at the weekend. And, and Magnon That's has great. been at a great, great season. Time. Yeah, it, 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 just talk about maybe some of these unsung heroes and how they've sort of helped transform Leo's season. Because like we said, they were so different from last season, and the, and a the couple of, they've not really changed an enormous amount in terms of
1: personnel no but chagum Mendes was uh, was already here last season and was pretty good at the beginning but um you know he with marcelo Bielsa he swapped position and then he got a little bit tired because he didn't have uh, any rest in the the previous summer but this season he's been he's been fantastic you know just like the, the key player in the midfield you know he's organizing everything is it he was the only thing he didn't score with him a lot but to me Except from Pepe, he's the best player for Lille by far. He's just such a good player. It's a bit like uh, Savanier for for uh, Nim. Just really, really good, like number six eight, like a uh, box to box player. He's been he's been amazing. And as you said, we we've got some really good surprises, like selik You know, Selik's come from the second division in Turkey. We lost Malqui and we got Selik, and just like he's been really, really good, you know, he's just like a Turkish international. Nobody expecting that level from him. And he's been great and, as well um Mike Menon. Like Mignon, we know he got potential, but this season is just like really focused, no mistakes, not as many dribble as he's used to. But um, yeah, that's kind of players, you know. We got fonte as well, you know. We we thought he was half retired, but he was in China. He come back, he's a captain, you know, just like um minion Fonti, Chago Mendes, just such a like um how do you say in English, uh colon vertebral like a spine, isn't it? Yeah, fine. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's perfect way of putting it, really. And uh, just to mention as well, um, uh, obviously for those that don't know, where um, Kevin works with uh, Opto Jean, and and they, you had one of my favourite stats uh, last weekend about the the ten different players for for Lille, no, five yeah. different assists makes five him. different strikers. It is yes, yeah, one of the the craziest stuff. But it just sums up exactly what this Lille team's been about this season, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and you, you can feel the you know when how they play, how they celebrate. You know, it's a bit like the, the French team last summer. You can feel that most of them are French. You know, the good atmosphere, they're always dancing, always laughing. You know, you, you saw it with Sumari as well. When when he scored, you just like you want to like them, and you see how how, they, how much they enjoy the best time. Just like ten players involved in the, in one goal, in one game, in in one half actually, because it, every every goal in the second half, it's crazy, it's just amazing stuff.
0: Yeah, it's one of those teams that will live long in the memory, even though they won't necessarily win any silverware. They'll be one that I'm sure Lille fans will be thinking about for a long time. And to bring you in, Jez, as well, we've mentioned him a few times already this season, but but Galtier's done a sensational job. He's rightfully in the, the coach for the year candidates. And... and mainly because we know he's a good coach we know how great he was for lever for for a long period of time uh, keeping them around the the top sort of far, a quarter of the the table but this season he's created a, a little team that's not just pragmatic when it needs to be but it, it's terrifically entertaining on the counter attack as well and have demolished some sides at times and and really shown a, a predatory instinct that not many other teams in the league and have shown this season
2: Yeah, I I think when he was at Saint-Étienne, he and the team, I mean, the ironic thing is that Saint-Étienne had been playing some decent uh, attacking football this season without him as well. But um, I think their their reputation together was a a very defensive-based football. And Although he was often linked with, with, well, he always seemed to be linked with the Newcastle world. Um, I think for some there was maybe a feeling that is he going to be a sort of, David Moyes type character where he's very effective playing a very um, distinctive type of football with one particular club and possibly he wouldn't be able to take the step up or, or to, to, to do the same kind of thing elsewhere. So the fact that he's done more than replicate the success that he had at Saint-Étienne, and not only that, but do it playing such a, a, an attacking and entertaining brand of football, um, I think it would be a massive shock and travesty if he, if he doesn't win coach of the year. He certainly deserves the nomination. He deserves the, the fuss he's getting. And last week, Leckie ran a, ran a series of articles about him. And um, yeah, I think he's he's done his reputation um, a huge amount of good this season, quite rightly too.
0: Yeah, one more win really should do it unless obviously Lyon and Saint-Étienne stumble and just to mention really Matthew that they've not really challenged PSG at the end but they obviously got that great result a month ago where a couple of controversial moments but Leo were, were excellent really but at the same time from this perspective of Lyon in whole it's a bit of a shame that this team will be broken up because hypothetically if they could stay together could they be a team with a couple of additions that could actually challenge PSG for a for a title if they could have kept this side together
3: yeah well thanks for bringing that up first yeah. of all. Uh, <laughs> so happy memories for my birthday when we got tonked by Lila. Um, was <laughs> anyway, a good um yeah yeah. yeah 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 it was a great <laughs> one to follow uh from my uh, for my birthday night out anyway um yeah it is a shame and I think that's it's a bit similar to the sort of Monaco situation a few years ago maybe not on such a sort of uh, grand scale but um you would like to think that if they stayed together and with a couple of additions, um, they would be able to sort of be a bit closer to PSG. Um, But yeah, I think it's just the way of modern football, isn't it? And obviously with um, the financial problems that you touched on a bit earlier, uh, it was was only likely to be a, a one season thing, which I think in a way it sort of preserves the magic, doesn't it? Because if it sort of all fizzled out next year and this proves, I think it's unlikely, but if this proves to be Nicola Pepe's like, best ever season and then next year the team was that they didn't follow this up then that would be a bit I think as a fan you you can sort of maintain if it if it all ends on a high and the team gets broken up then you can sort of uh you've got that sort of memory to to look back on but yeah certainly I think um when we played them at the park earlier in the season I was really impressed I thought well, wow, this is a proper sort of like well set up league and team they've got a Really strong defensive unit I was so impressed with Sheka and, and Thiago Mendes and then obviously the front sort of four who get a lot of, of praise with good reason were, were very impressive so I think yeah if if they could be kept together and they could add a little bit of depth then I certainly think next season it could be a lot closer but unfortunately it's probably unlikely to happen
0: yeah, it's always disappointing to be working with old what-ifs. But uh, as yeah. for their opponents, because it was just as big a game for, for Leon as well, Kevin, because a, a win would have put them really close to Lyon and usurping them for second, but a, a, a draw or a defeat would have been even worse, but a draw means that Santetienne are still breathing down their necks and they've got to head to the velodrome next weekend on Sunday night, which is not the kind of game you want to be playing when you, when you need three points, but mm. they're in a, a tricky situation. They're a club that should be looking to be a, a sort of competing at least trying to compete with psg but with players looking like it might be a bit of a a huge squad overhaul and the manager obviously on the way and even now the possibility that champions league football could be taken away from him it's a it's a big couple of weeks ahead for for leon and the the players they've got left
1: yeah it's been it's been a a weird season for leon because i got like i got great players they should be second in in the game in my opinion you know just but all season long, there was like ups and downs. You know, in the Champions League, they were pretty good. In the fight city Man City, they were really good. But you know, we got some problems with the player. Player who wants to leave, I believe. Uh, play, uh, problems with the fans, especially on social media, and uh, with Olas and Genesio, It's been like too going on all season. He was supposed to stay, then Ola said, "But well, he's going to leave at the end of the season." So it's just like, and you, you can feel there's something broken. I think in the in the team. And, you know, defensively, in the, they were not bad focused of season, Just so many mistakes, even against Lille. Not Denayer, just like crazy, crazy mistake at this level, to be honest. Just like, it's been yeah, a really weird season for Lyon.
0: Yeah, very strange. And I'm pretty sure, if, if anything, they'll just want to get themselves over the line and and get to that summer because there's even rumours. People are looking at Dembele, who, who they thought was going to be sort of the replacement for some of the players maybe going out the door. And uh, if that starts to fall apart, they, they could rather really tricky summer but uh, let's move on to to a, a team that have got another tricky summer to look forward to really M- Matthew and PSG it's been a, a real torrid week uh, after the cup part eight last weekend I <laughs> to sort of bring it up again but they lost to Montpellier midweek as well and the draw to Nice was a tash, touch unfortunate you think of the Saint-Maximin chance even though PSG missed the late penalty in that one it was a pretty poor display despite a couple of yeah. players coming back it, they've sort of limped in the last month to, to over the line. They they got over more from Leo's draw than anything else. And then they've sort of continued to to stutter and it, it all seems to be coming at the seams and it's a, it's becoming a bigger and bigger summer ahead, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is. And I don't really know what, I don't know how bad it is, to be honest. It's hard to tell because everything's, there's, it's literally nothing to play for is therefore obviously there was the cup last week but in in terms of the league it's all been sort of finalized for quite a while and you sort of wonder how much this malaise is going to affect them next season because it's uh it's certainly even by psg's standards of uh of, <laughs> of messing things up it's certainly been quite quite spectacularly bad um yeah i mean the game at the weekend was really uh in a sort of run of completely unmemorable games, it was particularly unmemorable. I think Tuchel said it was like a, all the intensity of a pre-season friendly. And um, that's certainly uh, that was certainly how I felt um, uh, watching it, uh, particularly uh, sort of in the first half. Um, so yeah, I think there's, as you say, a, rightly a big summer ahead. I think there's a lot of rebalancing of the squad to do, but whether we'll be able to do that uh, With the sort of um, issue of financial fair play um, from UEFA sort of still hanging around um, remains to be seen. And I mean, there also has to be question marks over the sort of hierarchy of the club and whether they can be trusted to recruit in a sensible manner, which could sort of build the squad and fill the gaps in what is quite an unbalanced team.
0: Yeah, let's into that a little bit further i suppose really but matthew and we'll start with sort of with the with the playing squad with things because ffp will be sort of a bit of a worry so uh, so outgoings will will skip for the time being at least but incomings that they, they the holes keep getting bigger in different places really we, we've discussed that they need at least two really midfielders if not three um and then as the season has grown on, you thought, OK, they had four centre-backs prepared. But realistically now, it's only really two. Because, I mean, Kempembe's had a, a, well, a dreadful season that's been <laughs> exasperated by two ridiculously awful performances in the last, <laughs> uh, last week. Which you can see the confidence sort of drain from his face sometimes, really. It's, it means yeah. that, uh, really, they, they from what seemed like two or three players needed just to balance out the squad and, and go for the Champions League and he, again he's looking more like four or five players maybe needed
3: yeah um yeah thanks yeah yeah <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm feeling a lot better about life um it, it is I think I think the midfield is the most pressing concern I think we can't go I mean we went half a season with just Verratti basically and now we've got Paredes as well I mean the jury don't know what you guys think but I think i'm happy to give him a full pre-season and see how he is but i think the jury's still out at the moment so i think that's definitely the priority but yeah i mean you'd look at right back munier's future seems to be uncertain danny alves is spectacular goals aside a bit of a waste of space um there's our question marks over on the other side so then you think maybe we need some more full backs and then like you say the center back issue um very concerned about kim pembe he might be going down the sort of mamadou Sako route of being this really promising player who can never sort of you know make that step up to you know be an elite player on a regular basis so then maybe we're a bit short there as well and uh, yeah it's uh yeah well uh this sounds like quite a full shopping list particularly then if you consider the cavani situation up front as well that he might leave and then we'd presumably need another replacement of that sort of uh, profile of players. So, yeah, uh, someone's certainly going to be busy this summer, I think.
0: Yeah, and that's that where it starts to unravel a little bit. You think that um, Cavani potentially leaving, you, you think of uh, Thomas Murnier possibly leaving a lot of the young lads looking at uh, possibly the exit door. I'm thinking of Kunku and maybe even some of the the, the more infrequently seen Akistani uh, like and Soki as well, maybe looking for more um, first-team football. So, they're, they're thinning there and then even though they need midfielders, Ad- Adrian Rabio is going to be leaving on a free so v- for oh, FFP. Wow. That's, that's, it's, 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 yeah, that's the, but the factor is the FFP, isn't it? That, that's the problem really. That's that's the, the gentle noose around their neck at the moment is that they're losing money from that. That means that maybe they have to try and sell a, a Di Maria or a Draxler to try and fund something at least in a way to make some moves in the summer. And it, it really stops piling up because then, if there is any of these outgoings with players rumored to want to go, it, it adds to the list that needs to be made, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, that's it. And the irony of um, the irony of buying two like, obviously, absolutely world class players uh, is uh, that you end up having to thin out your squad uh, considerably to uh, to sort of afford them under the rules. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's in a bit of a muddle, really, to put it mildly. And uh, you sort of, like you say. It, from a position of seeming strength and seeming just a couple of sort of tweaks required to, uh, you know, have us challenging for the sort of latter stages of the Champions League and keeping our position well ahead in the league. I think the last few months, it seems like every week a new problem sort of uh, crops up.
0: Yeah. And the main worry, I, I, at least for myself and a few, a few other um, league on observers, is, is, like we've said, it is... Antero Huri, the the right man, and even Nasar Khalifi, the right man to to do this, because the last couple of windows, the signings coming in have have been well. You've mentioned Peridis. the The jury's maybe a little bit out. I I think I I agree with you. You maybe give him a, a win, but he looks more like a, if anything, a squad player, not a not a necessarily starter. You think of um, Tilo Kera, who's had an awful season. Bless him. It's not he's not really gone any way he would have wanted it to. So can you trust? the people in charge to make a decision like that especially when we like like we've mentioned as well that there's there's rumors that qsi's interest full stop is is waning and and may win as the the world cup comes around as well that they they may start reducing interest and it it leaves psg sort of in the middle land
3: yeah that's it we're a bit i mean the world cup's still quite a long way off isn't it so if we're going to have sort of three years of us just like muddling around like this then um uh, I don't think that's really good for anybody. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I basically no. I don't trust them to do a good job. I mean, Henrique's got a he's got a um, an, a good CV from his time at Porto, obviously. So I don't think that he's a complete idiot or anything. But at the same time, whether he's suited to working in the sort of it's a completely different situation, isn't it? PSG to Porto. I know Porto is probably one of the biggest clubs in Portugal, but. PSG's on another level and whether he's sort of suited to, uh, operating at it, I think you would have to say the evidence suggests no. And then there's NASA. I mean, I look back to when he appointed Leonardo and Leonardo was basically running things. And obviously Leonardo wasn't everyone's cup of tea. He wasn't always my cup of tea when he was in charge, but he at least had a plan. Uh, and he sort of, he executed his plan pretty well. He built a team from nothing and we were pretty good. And, uh, I think ever since he left, we've really struggled to sort of to fill that void, to have a guy with a vision, a guy who can who knows where he wants the team to be, he knows who he wants the coach to be, he knows sort of roughly how we want to play and the, the, sort, of, the sort of style of player that we're recruiting because it all seems a bit haphazard. You know, you sort of, you think back to one, I remember one of NASA's first quotes that he didn't want to buy Messi, he wanted to build his own Messi and we've ended up buying two sort of ready-made sort of not messy but you know the nearest thing basically you think well how have we got to that point when when you came in you were all about sort of you wanting to you know grow your own players so I think that sort of overall vision is lacking and I think Nasser as the guy who's been the the constant sort of figure throughout the last few years has to sort of carry the can for that to a large extent.
0: Let's bring in the other guys on, on some of this, and uh, the the game of the weekend at least, Jes, and the game against Montpellier as well. Really, they they, they sort of floundered again. It's it, it's not a case of them not putting away chances, really, or or, or chances of going bigger, because they're still scoring goals and creating plenty. But uh, too many teams are getting good opportunities against them too simply. I mean, Atal was excellent, but had a couple of really easy ways of, of trying to get in behind the back line, had a chance himself, as well as setting up that chance for St. Maximan. And the same for uh, for Delor against them in midweek as well. He had a lot of opportunities of getting in behind and, and having a chance at goal. It's uh, it's pretty alarming for a team that you expect, even as they're sort of walking to the end of the season, to, to not... Well, the first three quarters of the season, we never really saw them punished in that kind of way. But every single team's not afraid of them anymore, have they? That fear factor's gone.
2: Yeah, I think it's it is hard to, to judge PSG entirely on the sort of post-Man United uh, run because the fact is they don't particularly have anything to play for. Okay? The, the the one important match they had left, they 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 did find themselves themselves lacking. But to an extent, you can understand why they they're struggling to be sort of one hundred percent motivated or, you know, show the, show the kind of intensity that their opponents are going to show against them in the run to the, to the end of the season. But at the same time, I think a lot of it comes down to, to what Mbappe said after the Lille match. You can have bad matches, you can lose matches, but to, to sort of collapse like that is it, it's more than that. It's a complete lack of professionalism. And um, I think that there's been... The run has been so bad that it is, it, it is more than just not being able to reach sort of peak intensity but it does feel like a lot of people are uh, mentally on holiday and and again you can you can read too much into it but i i think based on the last two or three years based on um certain rumors about what's going on behind the scenes whether it's with players or, or directors managers or whatever i think it does it does sort of speak of a, of a bigger malaise there and I think there, there are a lot of things that need changing and um, Tuchel, I I think for the most part he's come out of this season with, with a lot of credit, I think they were playing great football up to that Man United match, including the, the first leg um, they were steamrolling teams they were looking set to, to break all records, so I do think there's a lot there to work with, I don't know if it's because he was allowed more autonomy or he, he managed to secure it himself but i think the fact that he seemed to be um getting his own way more than Blanc and then Bo did well as well so i definitely think that that they should stick with him but it just seems that there's stories this weekend about Enrique Motta falling out apparently Motta and Tickle don't speak and and, uh, Enrique sorry Enrique and Tuchel you know don't get on Motta and Tickle apparently don't Um, and You mentioned El Khalifi. By all accounts, he he wants to have control of everything. So he's almost sort of um, encouraging these little spats between everyone below him to make sure he keeps control. And apparently no one's allowed to do anything without his say-so, but he's never there and never contactable to give his say-so. So I do think that the problems go right to the top. And I'm not necessarily saying that those problems directly feed into the players, but it just seems that around the whole club they're just they're so close to having everything clicking into place and it's not quite there and i you can't i think people are overdoing just zoning in on esg you look across europe i mean i have embarrassed a lot of teams by showing that you don't need a load of stars or lil as well actually we were saying about them earlier um but you just need you know some young key players who are able to play together um i think you know certainly compared to PSG and City, Uh, Iax are doing a fantastic job. You look at Juventus, they've lost a lot of intensity the last few weeks as well. Um, So it's not just PSG, and sometimes I think maybe we do overdo it. But the fact that it's the same recurring problems year after year, the coach always being under pressure, the fact there's still no midfield, the fact that the Brazilian clique still seems a little bit overly indulgent, and overly influential, um, the fact that, some of the younger players aren't quite kicking on as they should. Some of the others, like Ariola, are being undermined by by being sort of pushed out of the first team by by star players who just simply aren't as good as them. Um, you'd hope that that these things are sorted out in the summer, but as Matthew said, it doesn't look like they're on their way to doing that. Really, and that's a concern.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a huge concern. Reports of Thiago Motta having an argument—I've I've never heard of a thing like that before. It's Maybe they should,
2: they should bring Brandao yeah. in. As well.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yes, yeah. maybe he can work as peacemaker. Yeah. And uh, if anything, they should be judged on their form after that Man United game. Because look how Man United performed really, to be mm-hmm. fair. But uh, Kevin, Kevin, to bring you in on this as well, I think the the important thing is for PSG this summer is to keep some kind of utility and someone to to herald things. And we've mentioned how good Tuchel has been for them and how he has sort of said we need players, we need th- things coming in and. Keeping him happy this summer is possibly just as important as as bringing players in or even keeping some of the, the big players around as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he needs a few players. To you know, you, you, you won't bring PSG to another level with uh, Bernard or Chupomuting. So um, he, he needs great players, but will he get them? That's, uh, that's a question, you know, with the financial fair play. um, they, they probably need to sell before buying great players. I mean, I think Cavani will leave. I think you, you can feel in the, the way he plays, the way he reacts. Uh, he's not usually like that, and you can feel. He, I think he's his last season, and Menier wants to live as well. Um, so yeah, they need like three or four great, great players if you want to to be um, able to win the Champions League because that's the goal, the ultimate goal. And as Jeremy said, you know, it's just like um in the head in the last the last few seasons, every time they won the the Ligue 1 and the, of the Champions League, they're just like pretty much on holidays. And this summer, they've got a, some, uh, the Copa America, you know, they've got a few, a few Brazilian players who are injured. And um, so, yeah, but, you know, they should want to win every game, break every record. But it's never been like that in at uh, PSG. And that's what they like, I think, uh, their lack, sorry. And that starts with uh, Nasser. You know, Nasser is uh, probably a great man, but I think he's too nice, he's too keen. You, you saw it with uh, Serge Aurier, you know lawyer was just doing something terrible, and in a few weeks he's back on the pitch, and he just like grab you as well. And he starts with nothing.
3: Yeah, I sorry to interrupt. I absolutely I think that at times he's too much of a fan and not enough of a exactly. president because we know he's a a PSG fan from before he was involved with the club, Uh and I think there's too much of that. He's too close to the players and too. He likes them too. too in, yeah, exactly. He's too in awe of them, and you can't have a you've got to have a level of detachment and i think unless you've got a strong he hasn't got a strong sporting director or seemingly not to sort of, to basically tell him how to behave Or you know maybe you should take a step back and i think it really it really holds us back
0: and that that's going to be the interesting point i think this summer with having such a strong coach for so some people may say for once more than anything, but it's maybe a little bit insulting to some of them. But uh, at the same time, he, the fact that he has been a bit more forthright about his, his views and, and uh, leave and leaving t- players off the bench in terms of having sort of five man benches sometimes just to make his point um, a little bit more crystal clear. So will be interesting to see, because as soon as much like in Dortmund where he did really butt heads with uh, those above them, if it happens again in the summer, he's not a person to, to not, you know, Walk if needs be, and that and that would leave uh, PSG in a right pickle again, just as they they're trying to make something out of it. But uh it'd be interesting to see exactly what will will happen this summer for them. And uh, well, in fairness to them, these good result for them and, and great to see Atal maybe add another um, at least 10 million maybe onto his price tag when it seems to come round. Of this. so It might even be neat, uh, might even be PSG at this moment in time but on to matters at the back, bottom of the table now because the final six point of the season saw the point shared between Con and Gangon but for the latter it looks like it might not really be enough. Jez. is this the end for Gangwon? They've got they've got three games remaining. Their five points drift of of Cole to, to try and get into that uh, sort of relegation playoff place. But they face a inconsistent Ren side this weekend coming, and then they've got games coming up against Neiman and Amion So there's potentially still points there for them. But to get five points and hope that no one else picks up anything is is looking a little bleak.
2: Yeah, I, I think they have probably gone now. All, all three of their their remaining games are winnable. say wait to Ren. maybe winnable is a bit much, but they are a bit of a bogey team for Ren, and Ren have also sort of checked out out wise a long time ago. So there, there's definitely points of grabs there, but it felt like the weekend match against Car was was a, a must win, and it wasn't even just that they didn't win. They they both teams were poor but there was no onus on particularly to, to have to go out for the win. Gagin made very little chances and the, the chances they did make, they, they generally sort of blasted over the bar and didn't, um, didn't really give, give Samba any, any work to do at all and, and it looks like they're a bit of a bust of flush. I think we spoke about how sort of two or three weeks ago they had a couple of those body blows with you know last-minute equalisers for Monaco and and um, and Dijon getting getting wins that they were absolutely not expected to and when when they did climb off the bottom I really thought that, that they were the favourites to stay up just based on the form they were showing the, the form in terms of results but also the, the performances they are putting in but I think those 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 results of a couple of weeks ago just really not their confidence and um, much as I, I love Griezmann, I would like them to stay up. I just I think they have giving themselves a little bit too much to do. The very best they can, I think, is, is the relegation place, but I just can't see them getting enough points to 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 do that.
0: It's been a funny season for them, hasn't it, Kevin? I mean, we looked to the side at the start of the season, thinking that they, you know, they've done well under Kumbari and sort of fought above their weight, and then have done for a number of seasons in league and really since they have they came up a, a fair few years ago now. But th- that six defeats in the first start of the season was was the alarm bells running in there. They've never really recovered from that. In fact, they've never really been outside the drop zone. In fact, they've mostly been in. in 20th since that point really They've when they dropped in there you know, after week three and they've changed managers thinking that the return of Jocelyn Governet will be the sort of instigator of maybe a, a fight back or something like that, inspiring some of the, the great times he had there But at the Rue de Rue but it's not really worked out for them and, and unfortunately it looks like that, that League 2 will be hosting them next season
1: Yeah, exactly And you know, just two stats um, I've seen between Gengor and Caen uh, last weekend, so it was a must-win for, for Guingamp, there were only 11 shots between the two teams, only one on target, which is the, the lowest tallies in Ligue 1 this season, so it shows how scared they were or how bad they were, and um, Guingamp, they've got only 25 points, and um, on the 22 teams with 25 points or less at this stage, all of them finish last. So, I guess, that's it for Guingamp, and they've signed pretty good players, well, supposed to be good players like Nolan Roux and Ronnie Rodelin, and they've been terrible this season, like most of the team, but uh, they would be, be in League 2 this, next season. I can't see otherwise.
0: And, and and we've spoken about them a few times with Matthew, uh, how they have got some talent through the squad, and uh, Kevin's highlighted a few there, but even young players that we expected more of, we we're thinking maybe of a, a Marcus Koko or a Ludwig Blau, players that we had big reputations, but have really... Uh, struggled this season when we expected them maybe to be kicking on. I mean, even the likes of Marcus Turam, who's getting interest from bigger clubs, maybe more because of his name than his performances, because <laughs> his, his goals are more coming from penalties spots more than anything. So it, it's it's sort of sort of a mixture of those experienced players struggling and then those young players not blossoming into the what we maybe expected of them as well
3: yeah that's it and uh obviously we know all about marcus turam's penalties at psg from the uh from the coupe de la league which we were talking about earlier but um anyway uh yeah so you look through their squad list and it's really it seems like it's quite it's not it seems quite well balanced like in terms of that mix that you're saying of youth and experience as you say Blas quite an interesting player isn't he and like even like someone like nicola benazzo i quite like from his. Uh, previous seasons and then you sort of look up front as well with Rodland and Rue and um, and stuff. So yeah, it's a bit it just feels like everything's conspired against them because even like in the coaching, I think Anton Combray is a you know decently going coach and um obviously Guvenek as well, done well there before and blah blah blah. So it just yeah, I think their their goose is pretty much cooked, isn't it? I mean, like you said, sort of three winnable games to end the season, but I mean to expect to expect a team with their form to sort of suddenly pick up is probably asking a bit much but um yeah just a sort of general a general sort of malaise seems to have uh, seems to have done for them and like you say've never really recovered from that that start they had
0: yeah and it, it becomes strange even just because they, they did some decent signings I thought in in January at least anyway getting some more league and experience in them I mean they've got players like jillaboji although he's not played an enormous <laughs> amount same with uh, uh, and, and dong who, who was was decent last time he was in Liga, although he obviously had a, a, a strange spell at, at Sunderland you know you look through the squad and you see uh, Luca Do and Nicolas Benese although both have missed some time as well they've got experienced centre-backs as well although Sorbonne's maybe slowing down a little bit and Kerbrat's not had the greatest of seasons Robacho's probably been maybe one of the, the better lights as well as Iboa, Boa maybe but it's certainly a squad that if they can keep it together, they could they can mount a challenge next season. But at the same time, there, there's one or two of those that maybe sides coming up or sides currently in Liga and maybe maybe look to poach.
2: Yeah, I think the, that's from Blas and, and Kokov. But I I don't think Blas and Koko have sort of fulfilled the, the promise that they showed a couple of years back. Um, and to um, I agree. I'm I, I, I struggling to to see what's so special about him, other than his surname. <laughs> he's, he's capable <laughs> enough, but you know, seeing rumours that Lyon are after him. If if that's true, I just I just don't understand that at all. Especially if it's a replacement for Dembélé. I don't think he's in the same class. Um, I just think that I do think there's been a bit of bad luck in terms of injuries, rumours sort of, most of the first half of the season as well, um, and. <laughs> The defence, I mean on paper you can kind of look back at certain uh, matches where Kerbrandt and Sorbonne have been um, at, their, at their best as a combination. I think Kaya's done a decent decent job in goal as well but you, the fact is you look at their goals for and their goals against and, and they really they very much deserve to be where they are And um, I mean possibly the fact that there won't be many people coming in from any of their players um, could be a, a good thing for them because they can pretty much keep, keep the team together but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'd like to be in the centre as well, but no one really has has done enough to firstly to to cover the lack of goals up front, and and secondly, just to yeah, it's it's a lot to ask, but um, i mind's gone completely. But, oh, Salibur, you know the way that the last couple of years there were matches where he managed to sort of take the rest of the team by the scruff of the neck and somehow sort of pull them over the line and, and get them the, and of course three points here and there. I don't think any, there's not been no one in their team that's been capable of doing that this year. And, you know, we've you, you, spoken about recently how um, uh, Samba, for example, has, has almost single-handedly won them sort of 6 and 14 points in recent weeks. I can't think of any particular match where anyone has done that for Gangnam. And um, When you're struggling for any points, you do need those just one or two matches that where someone does something magical, and that might be enough to drag you over the line. And they just haven't had that.
0: Yeah, the the attention turns to their opponents really from Saturday because can't get another point, and they still can't be um, destroyed. Really, they they keep coming back from the dead, Kevin. We keep we keep mentioning them as sort of the cockroach of league, and they, they 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 simply can't be destroyed and. There's not a, a the strange thing now is that they're obviously still occupying that regular relegation uh, playoff place, but they're only three points off Monaco, and I, 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 you can quite easily imagine the scenario where they're facing a side this season who have been. Really good, but look like they're already in their swim shorts for the summer, and and Nima on a on a great late season surge as well as, as they host Monaco, which will be a trick one for, for them. So, and with their goal differences closer, you can't um, it's not unfathomable to be a, a scenario where Monaco even drop into that relegation place later on, uh, and that would be uh, calm sort of ending their season with the strangest of flourishes where they've nicked a couple of incredibly lucky wins and like you said there they, they it was an awful game on on Saturday but they got the point at least anyway which is as good as three at this moment in time really for them and they could yet even save themselves completely
1: yeah they're, they're a bit like the, the trainer Ronan Corbis they, they seem to, to come back from the dead the, every time you know they're pretty bad but they're still here just like it's, it's crazy and um, yeah I mean. Yeah, it will depend on Monaco, because Monaco, with their signing, they were really looking up, and you thought, well, probably will be in the next season, for sure, no worries. We're only three points ahead of uh, of Korn and they're playing Nîmes, as I said. And Nîmes is a pretty exciting team. Um, You know, they can lose 5-1 against Lille and win 3-0 against Rennes, which has a really good defense. It's going to be a really tricky, tricky game for Monaco, and con just like... The main problem with Caen is uh, the attack. I mean... It's um, um, what's his name? The the guy who was at PFC last season. Um, the striker.
0: Oh, Testing me now. I'm just trying to remember myself <laughs> as well. But uh, ooh. let's
1: go in this one. Let's try. Chokunte. To... Uh, Chokunte, yeah, Kibeli. Yes. But that kind of player did you know, like score or 4 for gold overall. Just like it's not enough for the for the French league. We've got the new trainer who is pretty he has pretty good ideas. Now we've got Juan Cobis with them. But yeah, it would be it would. Be really close until the end will be really stressful for for console fans and monaco's fans mm, absolutely and i'm i'm sure uh cobus
0: will, will be claiming the coaching in you know, their is still there kind of in name at least anyway if not in camera view at least anyway but uh, in terms of monaco at least uh matthew it's been a strange season for them really because a couple of weeks ago we thought well they were probably safe and riding off a um, uh, sort of high on, on Jardim but uh, as I've mentioned a couple of weeks ago but much like a uh, Oligo Solskjaer at United really the good feeling factor has sort of slipped away in the last few weeks and a terrible runner has seen them sort of fall in it and then, uh, what is it if you've not seen it yet everyone uh, the photo baller Toye in goal to get uh, Santatien back into the game is, is one of the slices of the season it's uh, it's probably better left on a golfing <laughs> course really more than a, more than a football field really but the th- they're in real danger now because the, the games they have left, Nîmes, it's going to be a, a difficult affair away from home, especially. And then they have got Amiens. they have a game against Amiens um, next weekend, which, yes, they're, they're closer to them. But th- that's going to be possibly still important to them to keep it, make sure they're completely safe. And then uh, to finish on a, in a, a derby away to Nice is not exactly how you want to finish it if you're not safe. So they've got some work to do.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you don't want to be going into that derby match with uh with your sort of place in league and on the line, do you? Um, yeah, I think uh, just to add a vote to seek out that own goal if you haven't seen it because it's a cracker. It reminded me of my own efforts when I'm on the fiver side <laughs> pitch and I've been running around for like half an hour and I can barely breathe. Um, <laughs> just sort of swing at the ball and uh, get sort of vaguely near it. But um, yeah, I think um, you would still back Monaco to sort of. I know as you say they've sort of been dragged back into it, but I think. Uh, They'll be looking at that home game against Amiens uh, in a couple of weeks and thinking, if we can get points in that, we'll probably be all right. We'll probably get one or two, you know, uh, in the other couple of games. So I think they'll just about have enough. But I think it's certainly food for thought for Jardim, who probably thought that he, by this point, would have uh, sort of taken them up the table a bit further away and uh, probably, again, a busy summer in prospect with a sort of bit of a realignment of the squad.
0: Yeah, squad overhaul looks like it's going to be happening at the Principality the next season. But very quickly, Jez are on the the other club still in that relegation scrap. Dijon lost 3 0 against the North side that are on absolute fire at the moment, really, to be fair. But uh, does they feel like there maybe still is one twist in the tail for them? At least they've got Strasbourg next weekend. They then host, uh, well, they're away to Paris Saint Germain, which is not the hardest of games at the moment at least anyway for them especially with them nothing to fight for and then they finish the season against Toulouse, who've been very very up and down is maybe the best way of describing it so uh, is even quombore's team it got one more sort of fight in them given that they're still there's still only two points off con and there's always a chance
2: there's always a chance and and yeah again two home matches that are winnable Strasbourg is sort of Done their hard work for the season, so that again, they, they might not be playing with the same kind of intensity to lose the home last match of the season again, nothing really to play for is definitely winnable. And it, it, even PSG away from home, but the form they've been in recently, and actually, you know, ask can PSG have kind of had a say in, in, in sort of helping teams stay up the last couple of years, so so there could be more twists, but on paper, I think can't you want to have the points on the board at the moment so Khan have got that, that that little cushion and, and I, th- I think the matches they've got left um, there's probably more points on offer there. I mean, I, I agree the issue is that that, that, that they're, they're really struggling to score but their defence looks looks to have tightened a lot and, and I can see them grabbing a couple more points which puts more rings on, on Dijon to, to get a couple of wins and I think they'll fall short. I think the bottom three. I think the bottom two will stay as it is. But I, I could see. Khan. I think Car have got a couple of winnable matches, and Monaco have got a couple of very losable matches. So I think if there is a twist anywhere, I think it, it could be that one.
0: Yeah, I don't think we can call anything in this relegation fight. We've tried two, three, four, five times now, and it keeps changing week on week. So I, I'm not going to say anything yet. Gengog could still get out of it. No doubt before we end the season, if we try. Uh, let's finish tonight with our, our well, my favourite section of this. So it's the Liga snapshot. So, and I'll start with you on this one, Matthew. What's your Liga snapshot for this week?
3: Well, I'm uh, I'm go into a league and star who has moved abroad um I say star in inverted commas because it's one of my favorite players Jeremy Menez um <laughs> who <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember Jeremy Menez but once upon a time he's for PSB and since leaving he's sort of gone on a bit of a world tour and he's in Mexico at the moment for Club America but uh, this may come as a surprise given his previous um previous behaviour but he's upset his coach because he apparently does not have the attitude of fighting for his position in the squad so he's been dropped from the squad for the last few years. maybe PSG
2: should sign him well
3: as I was just about to say Jess, he's he's likely to be on the market this summer so you never know you never know apparently he's um he's on his way out so he could be on his way back to Liga and if he came back to PSG even as player manager I'd probably be quite happy
0: (laughs) just saying Jeremy Menes is still thirty-one years old. Who would have guessed? It? <laughs> um, it he feels, still feels got, like he, should, feels he's like still, he got, be
3: he's still got the same haircut that he had when he was twenty-one as well, which is all one of them anyway. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where he ends up next.
0: I was going to say, is it still bleached blonde or something like yeah. that?
3: Yes. Yeah, bleach blonde Mohican, yeah, he's looking pretty good. Follow him on Instagram, it's, uh, it's quite the treat.
0: Uh, I suppose that's more in vogue at the moment, to be fair, to be bleach yeah. blonde again. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kevin, what's your Liga snapshot?
1: Um, mine would be one, uh, one player to, to look out in, in the future, um, Eduardo Camavinga, uh, the young player for Ren. Uh, he's the youngest player ever who played for Rennes in the professional team. Against Monaco last week, he made his first start in the game. He made all of his passes, um, 100% passing accuracy. He's really good. He's only 16. It's crazy, you know. It's like really strong. Uh, it's a um, central midfielder, and I really believe he could be a great, great player from next season. So yeah, look out for him.
0: That's the thing about Red, isn't it, Kevin? They they just keep producing players like that. It's it's an endless cycle of. of those kind of excellent players even with midf- so many midfielders as well i'm thinking back of um, the, the layer of sake of closer now and then you think of um, via in, in yeah, previous Blimey. years yeah they they just keep promoting them out they just know that they're, they're doing it um decore as well obviously was was it Sper- yeah <laughs> the, the <laughs> list will go on and on and hopefully yeah like you say the, the young lad at Camavinga um Getting his debut as well will be another one from that list. Always great to see Ren uh, doing those. Jez, I have, I have a feeling where you might be going with your on snapshot this week, but uh, let's get into it anyway. What what is your on snapshot?
2: Um, well, first I was going to say it's funny that Ren produced all these players, but actually won a trophy with all the ex-Leon um, <laughs> um I'm guessing you're gonna. Uh, I'm guessing you're guessing. I'm gonna say mess winning leader. Um, but actually I, I was going to mention a player that Kevin mentioned earlier which is Teju uh, Sevane who um, he set up Neumann's first goal at the weekend That's his 12th assist of the season which puts him alone at the top of the assist chart um, he's also got 6 goals, most of which have been to penalties but the two that are penalties are goal of the season contenders and I, just, I think he's been absolutely fantastic this year I think we've spoken about him a few times um, probably the, the only thing that's not in his favour is his is age. Otherwise, I think he could be looking at a really big money move. But I think he's certainly a player that Marseille, for example, with financial restrictions, I think that he's a player they should be looking at. I think the fans would love him. Um, I think he'd quickly um, sort of become one of the fans' favourites there. Um, and it's an absolute travesty that he wasn't in the, the nominations for the league player of the year. I think, especially
1: he's when you've got really... Benafa. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's, it's crazy sometimes, isn't it? At least he's in the GFFN awards ceremonies, at least anyway. So do vote for him on the the, 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 the because we, we've not left him out. And I always just remember every time his name is mentioned on the show, it has to be sort of mentioned. Adams Spielever, he lives in the area, loves the area, he's been from Montpellier for a long while. And um, if he does get a move, it might only really be to, to Montpellier, ready to stay around that that place. My league, I snapshot this a few, like Jess said, it's great to see Mets come back to to lead the other flip-flop side of it, have secured the league title in there. Stade Breast might be the next to join them in Liga next season. They, they only need a, a couple more points to make sure if they win on Saturday or on Friday, it we'll, will completely confirm their um, advancement to league, uh, which will be great to see. Uh, mine goes to Balatelli for one of the quotes of the evening. We always love a good Liga quote. That he's a, well, a stickler for the rules now, it seems like, Mario Balotelli because uh, the referee was late to his uh, uh, quote-unquote appointment of a lease going out on time and he was Quick to point that out and ask for a fine for the referee which uh you know it, i'm pretty sure he would have gotten if he was a player so damn right you tell the referee how to to, to work those rules at least mario it's uh, always great to see someone there uh, uphold the sanctity of football at least anyway uh, that's all that we have time for uh my thanks to jez kevin matthew and all of you listening at home uh, do join us again for the preview show on thursday and the main show will be back at the same time same place next week
2: Abiento and goodbye